himself took our infirmities by bull reading, Matt. 8 1 to 17. Here we have a wonderful word. All the word is wonderful. This blessed book brings such life and health and peace, and such an abundance, that we should never be poor anymore. This book is my heavenly bank. I find everything I want in it. I want to show you how rich you may be, that in everything you can be enriched in Christ Jesus. He has abundance of grace for you, and the gift of righteousness, and through his abundant grace all things are possible. I want to show you that you can be a living branch of the living vine, Christ Jesus, and that it is your privilege to be right here in this world what he is. John tells us, as he is, so are we in this world. Not that we are anything in ourselves, but Christ within us is our all in all. The Lord Jesus is always wanting to show forth his grace and love in order to draw us to himself. God is willing to do things, to manifest his word, and let us know and measure the mind of our God, in this day and hour. There are many needy ones, many afflicted ones, but I do not think any present are half as bad as this first case that we read of in Matthew 8. This man was a leper. You may be suffering with consumption or cancers, or other things, but God will show forth his perfect cleansing, his perfect healing, if you have a living faith in Christ. He is a wonderful Jesus. This leper must have been told about Jesus. How much is missed because people are not constantly telling what Jesus will do in this hour day. Probably someone had come to that leper, and said, Jesus can heal you. And so he was filled with expectation as he saw the Lord coming down the mountainside. Lepers were not allowed to come within reach of people, they were shut out as unclean. And so in the ordinary way it would have been very difficult for him to get near because of the crowd that surrounded Jesus. But as he came down from the mount he met this poor leper. Oh, this terrible disease! There was no help for him humanly speaking, but nothing is too hard for Jesus. The man cried, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Was Jesus willing? You will never find Jesus missing an opportunity of doing good. You will find that he is always more willing to work, and we are to give him an opportunity to work. The trouble is we do not come to him, we do not ask him for what he is more than willing to give. And Jesus put forth his band and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I like that. If you are definite with him you will never go away disappointed. The divine life will flow into you and instantaneously you will be delivered. This Jesus is just the same today, and he says to you, I will be thou clean. He has an overflowing cup for the a fullness of life. He will meet you in your absolute helplessness. All things are possible if you will only believe. God has a real plan. It is so simple. Just come to Jesus. You will find him just the same as he was in days of old. The next case we have in this chapter is that of the centurion coming, and beseeching Jesus on behalf of his servant, who was sick of the palsy, and grievously tormented. This man was so in earnest that he came seeking for Jesus. Notice this, that there is one thing certain, there is no such thing, as seeking without finding. He that seeketh findeth. Listen to the gracious words of Jesus, I will come, and heal him. Most places that we go to there are so many people that we cannot pray for. In some places there are 200 or 300 who would like us to visit them, but we are not able to do so. But I am so glad that the Lord Jesus is always willing to come and heal. He longs to meet the sick ones. He loves to heal them of their afflictions. 
The Lord is healing many people today by means of handkerchiefs, as you read that he healed people, in the days of Paul. You can read of this in Acts 19.12. A woman came to me in the city of Liverpool, and said, I would like you to help me I wish you would join with me in prayer. My husband is a drunkard and every night comes into the home, under the influence of drink. Won't you join me in prayer for him? I said to the woman, have you a handkerchief? She took out a handkerchief and I prayed over it and told her to lay it on the pillow of the drunken man. He came home that night and laid his head on the pillow in which this handkerchief was tucked. He laid his head on more than the pillow that night. He laid his head on the promise of God. In Mark 11:24, we read, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The next morning the man got up and called at the first saloon that he had to pass on his way to work and ordered some beer. He tasted it and said to the bartender, you have put some poison in this beer. He could not drink it and went on to the next saloon and ordered some more beer. He tasted it and said to the man behind the counter, you put some poison in this beer. I believe you folks have agreed to poison me. The bartender was indignant at being thus charged. The man said, I will go somewhere else. He went to another saloon, and the same thing happened, as in the two previous saloons. He made such a fuss that they earned him out. After he came out from work he went to another saloon to get some beer, and again he thought he had been poisoned, and he made so much disturbance that he was thrown out. He went to his home and told his wife what had happened and said, It seems as though all the fellows have agreed to poison me. His wife said to him, Can't you see the hand of the Lord in this? that he is making you dislike the stuff that has been your ruin. This word brought conviction to the man's heart, and he came to the meeting, and got saved. The Lord has still power to set the captives free. When I was in Australia a lady came to me, who was much troubled about her son, who was so lazy. I prayed over a handkerchief which was placed on the boy's pillow. He slept that night on the handkerchief, and the next morning he got up and went out and secured a position, and went to work. Oh, praise the Lord, you can't shut God out, but if you will only believe he will shut the devil out. Jesus was willing to go and heal the sick one, but the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Jesus was delighted with this expression, and said to the man, Go thy way, and, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. When I was in Australia a man came up to me he was leaning on a big stick and said, I would like you to help me it will take you half an hour to pray for me I said, believe God, and in one moment you will be whole. His faith was quickened to receive an immediate healing, and he went away glorifying God, for a miraculous healing. The word of the Lord is sufficient today. If you will dare to believe God's word you will see a performance of ill's word that will be truly wonderful. Here we have with the centurion an audacity of faith, a faith that did not limit God. Failures come when we limit the Holy One of Israel. I want to encourage you to a living faith to believe God's word. The next healing we read of here is the healing of Peter's wife's mother, who was sick of a fever. Luke tells us that Jesus rebuked the fever. The fever could hear. The moment it could hear it went. Jesus had a new method. Today there are a lot of folks who try to sweat out a fever. You can't sweat the devil out. He can't stand all the heat that you can apply to him. But if thou canst believe, deliverance is as sure and certain for you, as it was for Peter's wife's mother.
I received a telegram once urging me to visit a case about 200 miles from my home. As I went to this place I met the father and mother, and found them brokenhearted. They lead me up a staircase to a room, and I saw a young woman on the floor, and five people were holding her down. She was a frail young woman but the power in her was greater than all those young men. As I went into the room the evil powers looked out of her eyes, and they used her lips saying, We are many, you can't cast us out. I said, Jesus can. He is equal to every occasion. He is waiting for an opportunity to bless. He is ready for every opportunity to deliver souls. When we receive Jesus it is true of us, greater is he, that is in you than he, that is in the world. He is greater than all the powers of darkness. No man can meet the devil in his own strength, but any man filled with the knowledge of Jesus, filled with his presence, filled with his power, is more than a match for the powers of darkness. God has called us to be more than conquerors through him, that loved us the living word is able to destroy satanic forces. There is power in the name of Jesus. I would that every window in the street had the name of Jesus written large upon it. His name, through faith in his name, brought deliverance to this poor, bound soul, and thirty-seven demons came out giving their names as they came forth. The dear woman was completely delivered, and they were able to give her back her child. That night there was heaven in that home, and the father and mother and son, and his wife were all united in glorifying Christ for his infinite grace. The next morning we had a gracious time in the breaking of bread. All things are wonderful with our wonderful Jesus. If you would dare rest your all upon him, things would take place and he would change the whole situation. In a moment, through the name of Jesus, a new order of things can be brought in in the world they are always having new diseases, and the doctors cannot locate them. A doctor said to me, the science of medicine is in its infancy, and really we doctors have no confidence in our medicine. We are always experimenting. But the man of God does not experiment. He knows, or ought to know, redemption in its fullness. He knows, or ought to know, the mightiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not, or should not be, moved by outward observation, but should get divine revelation of the mightiness of the name of Jesus, and the power of his blood. If we exercise our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ he will come forth and get glory over all the powers of darkness. At eventide they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities, and bare our sicknesses. The work is done, if you only believe it. It is done. Himself took our infirmities, and bare our sicknesses. If you can only see the Lamb of God as he went to Calvary, he took our flesh, that he might take upon himself the full burden of all our sin, and all the consequences of sin. There on the cross God laid upon him the iniquities of us all. There on the cross of Calvary the results of sin were also dealt with. As the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him, that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Through his death there is deliverance for you today. Husband healed of double rupture and other ills one year ago my husband was instantly healed of double rupture of three years standing, dropsy, two years, a weak heart, and tobacco chewing, forty-seven years, and praise the Lord, it was all taken away when the shock from heaven's battery went through him. Nine weeks ago today we went to Portland, 
Oregon, to hear Brother Smith Wigglesworth, and my husband was healed instantly of heavy blood pressure and varicose veins which had broken in his ankles and for a year had to be dressed twice a day. No doctor could help him, but, praise God, Jesus was the doctor and healed him. Should anyone wish to write me, I shall be glad to hear from them and will answer all letters Mrs. Frank Nephews, 202 E First Street, Newburgh, or I am the Lord that healeth thee is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him James 5 14, 15. We have in this precious word a real basis for the truth of healing. In this scripture God gives very definite instructions to the sick. If you are sick, your part is to call for the elders of the church, it is their part to anoint and pray for you in faith, and then the whole situation rests with the Lord. When you have been anointed and prayed for, you can rest assured that the Lord will raise you up. It is the word of God. I believe that we all can see that the church cannot play with this business, if any turn away from these clear instructions they are in a place of tremendous danger. Those who refuse to obey, do so to their unspeakable loss. James tells us in connection with this, If any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know, that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death. Many turn away from the Lord, as did King Asa, who sought the physicians in his sickness and consequently died, and I take it that this passage means that if one induces another to turn back to the Lord, he will save such from death and God will forgive a multitude of sins that they have committed. This scripture can also have a large application on the line of salvation. If you turn away from any part of God's truth, the enemy will certainly get an advantage over you. Does the Lord meet those who look to him for healing and obey the instructions set forth in James? Most assuredly. Let me tell you a story to show how he will undertake for the most extreme case. One day I had been visiting the sick, and was with a friend of mine, an architect, when I saw a young man F from his office coming down the road in a car, and holding in his hand a telegram. It contained a very urgent request that we go immediately to pray for a man, who was dying. We went off in an auto as fast as possible and in about an hour, and a half reached a large house, in the country, where the man who was dying resided. There were two staircases in that house and it was extremely convenient, for the doctors could go up and down one, and my friend, and I could go up and down the other, and so we had no occasion to meet. I found on arrival that it was a case of this sort. The man's body had been broken, he was ruptured, and his bowels had been punctured in two places. The discharge from the bowels had formed abscesses, and blood poisoning had set in the man's face had turned green, Two doctors were in attendance, but they saw that the case was beyond their power. They had telegraphed to London for a great specialist, and, when we arrived, they were at the railway station awaiting this arrival. The man was very near death and could not speak. I said to his wife, if you desire, we will anoint and pray for him. She said, that is why I sent for you. I anointed him in the name of the Lord, and asked the Lord to raise him up. Apparently there was no change. God often hides what he does. From day to day we find that God is doing wonderful things, and we receive reports of healings that have taken place that we heard nothing about at the time of our meetings. Only last night a woman came into the meeting suffering terribly. 
Her whole arm was filled with poison, and her blood was so poisoned, that it was certain to bring her to her death. We rebuked the thing, and she was here this morning, and told us that she was without pain, and had slept all night, a thing she had not done for two months. To God be all the praise. You will find he will do this kind of thing all along. As soon as we anointed and prayed for this brother we went down the back staircase and the three doctors came up the front staircase. As we arrived downstairs, I said to my friend, who had come with me, friend let me have hold of your hands. We held each other's hands, and I said to him, look into my face and let us agree together, according to Matthew 1 dollar sign 19, that this man shall be brought out of this death. We laid the whole matter before God, and said, Father, we believe. Then the conflict began. The wife came down to us and said, The doctors have got all their instruments out and they are about to operate. I cried, What? Look here, he's your husband, and I tell you this, if those men operate on him, he will die. Go back, and tell them you cannot allow it. She went back to the doctors and said, Give me ten minutes. They said, We can't afford to, the man is dying, and it is your husband's only chance. She said, I want ten minutes, and you don't touch his body, until I have had them. They went downstairs by one staircase, and we went up by the other. I said to the woman, This man is your husband, and he cannot speak for himself. It is now the time for you to put your whole trust in God, and prove him wholly true. You can't save him from a thousand doctors. You must stand with God and for God, in this critical hour. After that, we came down and the doctors went up. The wife faced those three doctors and said, You shan't touch this man's body. He is my husband. I am sure that if you operate on him he will die, but he will live if you don't touch him. Suddenly the man in the bed spoke. God has done it, he said. They rolled back the bedclothes and the doctors examined him, and the abscesses were cut clear away. The nurse cleaned the place where they had been. The doctors could see the bowel still open, and they said to the wife, We know that you have great faith, and we can see that a miracle has taken place. But you must let us unite these broken parts, and put in silver tubes, and we know that your husband will be all right after that, and it need not interfere with your faith at all. She said to them, God has done the first thing and he can do the rest. No man shall touch him now and God healed the whole thing. And that man is well and strong today. I can give his name and address to any who want it. Do you ask by what power this was done? I would answer in the words of Peter, his name, through faith in his name, made this man strong. The anointing was done I seven. The name of the Lord. And it is written, the Lord shall raise him up. And he provides the double cure, even if sin has been the cause of the sickness. His word declares, if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. You ask, what is faith? Faith is the principle of the word of God. The Holy Spirit, who inspired the word, is called the spirit of truth, and, as we receive with meekness the engrafted word, faith springs in our heart. Faith in the sacrifice of Calvary, faith in the shed blood of Jesus, faith in the fact that he took our weakness upon himself, has borne our sicknesses, and carried our pains, and that he is our life today. God has chosen us to help one another. We dare not be independent. He brings us to a place where we submit ourselves to one another. If we refuse to do this, we get away from the word of God and out of the place of faith. I have been in this place once and I trust I shall never be there again. 
I went one time to a meeting. I was very, very sick, and I got worse and worse. I knew the perfect will of God was for me to humble myself and ask the elders to pray for me. I put it off and the meeting finished. I went home without being anointed and prayed with and everyone in the house caught the thing I was suffering with. My boys did not know anything else but to trust the Lord as the family physician and my youngest boy, George, cried out from the attic, Dada, come. I cried, I cannot come. The whole thing is from me I shall have to repent and ask the Lord to forgive me I made up my mind to humble myself before the whole church. Then I rushed to the attic and laid my hands on my boy in the name of Jesus. I placed my hands on his head and the pain left and went lower down. He cried again, put your hands still lower. At last the pain went right down to the feet and as I placed my hand on the feet B was completely delivered. Some evil power had evidently gotten hold, and as I laid my hands on the different parts of the body it left. We have to see the difference between anointing the sick and casting out demons. God will always be gracious when we humble ourselves before him and come to a place of brokenness of spirit. I was at a place one time ministering to a sick woman, and she said, I'm very sick. I become all right for an hour, and then I have another attack. I saw that it was an evil power that was attacking her, and I learned something in that hour that I had never learned before. As I moved my hand down her body in the name of the Lord, that evil power seemed to move just ahead of my hands, and as I moved them down further and further the evil power went right out of her body and never returned. I was in Havre in France and the power of God was being mightily manifested. A Greek named Felix attended the meeting and became very zealous for God. He was very anxious to get all the Catholics he could to the meeting in order that they should see that God was graciously visiting France. He found a certain bedridden woman who was fixed in a certain position and could not move and he told her about the Lord healing at the meetings and that he would get me to come if she wished. She said, my husband is a Catholic and he would never allow anyone who was not a Catholic to see me she asked her husband to allow me to come and told him what Felix had told her about the power of God working in our midst. He said, I will have no Protestant enter my house. She said, do you know the doctors cannot help me and the priests cannot help, won't you let this man of God pray for me? He finally consented and I went to the house. The simplicity of this woman and her child, like faith were beautiful to see. I showed her my oil bottle and said to her, here is oil. It is a symbol of the Holy Ghost. When that comes upon you, the Holy Ghost will begin to work, and the Lord will raise you up. And God did something the moment the oil fell upon her. I looked toward the window and I saw Jesus. I have seen him often. There is no painting that is a bit like him no artist can ever depict the beauty of my lovely Lord. The woman felt the power of God in her body and cried, I'm free, my hands are free, my shoulders are free, and oh, I see Jesus. I'm free. I'm free. The vision vanished, and the woman sat up in bed. Her legs were still bound, and I said to her, I'll put my hands over your legs, and you will be free entirely. And as I put my hands on those legs covered with bedclothes, I looked, and saw the Lord again. She saw him too, and cried, He's there again. I'm free. I'm free. She rose from her bed and walked round the room praising God and we were all in tears as we saw his wonderful works. The Lord shall raise them up when conditions are met.
When I was a young man I always loved the fellowship of old men and was always careful to hear what they had to say. I had a friend, an old Baptist minister who was a wonderful preacher. I spent much of my time with him. One day he came to me and said, My wife is dying. I said, Brother Clark, why don't you believe God? God can raise her up if you will only believe him. He asked me to come to his house, and I looked for someone to go with me. I went to a certain rich man, who was very zealous for God, and spent much money in opening up rescue missions, and I asked him to go with me. He said, never you mind me, you go yourself, but I don't take to this kind of business. Then I thought of a man who could pray by the hour. When he was on his knees he could go around the world three times, and come out at the same place. I asked him to go with me and said to him, you'll have a real chance this time. Keep at it, and quit when you're through. Some go on, after they are through. Brother Nichols, for that was his name, went with me and started praying. He asked the Lord to comfort the husband in his great bereavement, and prayed for the orphans, and a lot more on this line. I cried, Oh my God, stop this man. But there was no stopping him, and he went on praying, and there was not a particle of faith in anything he uttered. He did stop at last, and I said, Brother Clark, it's now your turn to pray. He started, Lord, answer the prayer of my brother and comfort me in this great bereavement and sorrow. Prepare me to face this great trial. I cried out, My God, stop this man. The whole atmosphere was being charged with unbelief. I had a glass bottle full of oil, and I went up to the woman, and poured the whole lot on her in the name of Jesus. Suddenly Jesus appeared, standing at the foot of the bed. He smiled and vanished. The woman stood up, perfectly healed, and she is a strong woman today. We have a big God. We have a wonderful Jesus. We have a glorious comforter. God's canopy is over you and will cover you at all times, preserving you from evil. Under his wings shalt thou trust. The word of God is living, and powerful, and in its treasures you will find eternal life. If you dare trust this wonderful Lord, this Lord of life, you will find in him everything you need. So many are tampering with drugs, quacks, pills, and plasters. Clear them all out and believe God. It is sufficient to believe God. You will find, that if you dare trust him, he will never fail. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Do you trust him? He is worthy to be trusted. I was one time asked to go to Weston Supermare, a seaside resort in the west of England. I learned from a telegram that a man had lost his reason and had become a raving maniac, and they wanted me to go to pray for him. I arrived at the place, and the wife said to me, Will you sleep with my husband? I agreed, and in the middle of the night an evil power laid hold of him. It was awful. I put my hand on his head and his hair was like a lot of sticks. God gave deliverance a temporary deliverance. At six o'clock the next morning, I felt that it was necessary that I should get out of the house for a short time. The man saw me going, and cried out, If you leave me, there is no hope. But I felt that I had to go. As I went out I saw a woman with a Salvation Army bonnet on, and I knew that she was going to their seven o'clock prayer meeting. I said to the captain who was in charge of the meeting, when I saw he was about to give out to him, Captain, don't sing. Let's get to prayer. He agreed, and I prayed my heart out, and then I grabbed my hat, and rushed out of the hall. They all thought they had a madman in their prayer meeting that morning. 
I saw the man I had spent the night with rushing down toward the sea, without a particle of clothing on, about to drown himself. I cried, In the name of Jesus, come out of him. The man fell full length on the ground, and that evil power went out of him never to return. His wife came rushing after him, and the husband was restored to her in a perfect mental condition. There are evil powers, but Jesus is greater than all evil powers. There are tremendous diseases, but Jesus is healer. There is no case too hard for him. The Lion of Judah shall break every chain. He came to relieve the oppressed and to set the captive free. He came to bring redemption, to make us as perfect as man was before the fall. People want to know how to be kept by the power of God. Every position of grace into which you are led forgiveness, healing, deliverance of any kind will be contested by Satan. He will contend for your body. When you are saved, Satan will come round and say, See, you are not saved. The devil is a liar. If he says you are not saved, it is a sure sign that you are. You will remember the story of the man who was swept and garnished. The evil power had been swept out of him. But the man remained in a stationary position. If the Lord heals you, you dare not remain in a stationary position. The evil spirit came back to that man and found the house swept, and took seven others worse than himself, and the last state of that man was worse than the first. Be sure to get filled with God. Get the occupier. Be filled with the Spirit. God has a million ways of undertaking for those who go to him for help. He has deliverance for every captive. He loves you so much that he even says, before they call, I will answer. Don't turn him away. I slipped, and fell on Broadway, San Diego in February, 1921, and as was afterwards discovered, fractured the coccyx, the base of the spine, and so severely wrenched the hips and pelvic bones that I became a great sufferer. As the broken bone was not discovered and set until about two months after the accident, the constant pain and irritation caused a general inflammation of the nervous system, and the long delay in getting the bone set made it impossible to heal, so that my condition steadily grew worse, and I was taken to the hospital, and the bone was removed about a month after it had been set. Though the wound healed rapidly, the nervous inflammation remained, and so for many months longer I was in constant pain, and unable to get around without assistance. I was taken to the first service held by Mr. Wigglesworth on the 2nd of October, 1922. At the close of the service all those who were sick, and in pain, and had come for healing were requested to rise if possible. My husband assisted me to my feet, and, as those were prayed for by the speaker I was instantly healed. How I do not know. I only know the great physician touched my body, and I was made whole, and freed from pain. After I got home I showed how I could sit down and rise with my hands, above my head, when before it had taken both hands to push up my feeble body, and I had to have straps on my bed to pull up by. No more use for them now. I lay down and turned over for the first time without pain. I shall never cease to praise God for the healing of my body through the precious blood of Jesus and in His name. I walked to the streetcar alone the next day, and attended the next service, and have been on the go ever since. Can give names of friends who can substantiate all I have written. To Jesus be all the praise and glory. Mrs. Sanders, 4051 Bayview Court, San Diego, Cal. If the power of the name Scripture reading Acts 3 1-16 All things are possible through the name of Jesus.
God hath highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that hath the name of Jesus every knee should bow. There is power to overcome everything in the world through the name of Jesus. I am looking forward to a wonderful union through the name of Jesus. There is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I want to instill into you a sense of the power, the virtue, and the glory of that name. Six people went into the house of a sick man, to pray for him. He was an Episcopalian vicar, and lay in his bed utterly helpless, without even strength to help himself. He had read a little tract about healing, and had heard about people praying for the sick, and sent for these friends, who, he thought, could pray the prayer of faith. He was anointed according to James 5.14, but, because he had no immediate manifestation of healing, he wept bitterly. The six people walked out of the room, somewhat crestfallen to see the man lying there in an unchanged condition. When they were outside, one of the six said, There is one thing we might have done. I wish you would all go back with me and try it. They went back, and all got together in a group. This brother said, Let us whisper the name of Jesus. At first when they whispered this worthy name nothing seemed to happen. But as they continued to whisper, Jesus, 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 the power began to fall. As they saw that God was beginning to work, their faith and joy increased, and they whispered the name louder and louder. As they did so the man arose from his bed, and dressed himself. The secret was just thus, those six people had gotten their eyes off the sick man, and they were just taken up with the Lord Jesus himself, and their faith grasped the power, that there is in his name. Oh, if people would only appreciate the power, that there is in this name, there is no telling what would happen. I know that through his name and through the power of his name we have access to God. The very face of Jesus fills the whole place with glory. All over the world there are people magnifying that name. And oh, what a joy it is for me to utter it. One day I went up into the mountain to pray. I had a wonderful day. It was one of the high mountains of Wales. I heard of one man going up this mountain to pray and the Spirit of the Lord met him so wonderfully that his face shone like that of an angel, when he returned. Everyone in the village was talking about it. As I went up to this mountain, and spent the day in the presence of the Lord, his wonderful power seemed to envelop and saturate, and fill me two years before this time there had come to our house two lads from Wales. They were just ordinary lads, but they became very zealous for God. They came to our mission and saw some of the works of God. They said to me, we would not be surprised if the Lord brings you down to Wales to raise our Lazarus. They explained that the leader of their assembly was a man who had spent his days working in it in mine and his nights preaching, and the result was that he had collapsed, gone into consumption, and for four years he had been a helpless invalid, having to be fed with a spoon. While I was upon that mountaintop I was reminded of the transfiguration scene, and I felt that the Lord's only purpose in taking us into the glory was to fit us for greater usefulness in the valley. Tongues and interpretation, the living God has chosen us for his divine inheritance, and he it is who is preparing us for our ministry, that it may be of God, and not of man. As I was on the mountaintop that day, the Lord said to me, I want you to go and raise Lazarus. I told the brother who accompanied me of this, and when we got down to the valley, I wrote a postcard, when I was up on the mountain praying today, God told me that I was to go and raise Lazarus. I addressed the postcard to the man in the place, whose name had been given to me by the two lads. 
When we arrived at the place we went to the man to whom I had addressed the card. He looked at me and said, Did you send this? I said, Yes. He said, Do you think we believe in this? Here, take it. And he threw it at me. The man called a servant and said, Take this man and show him Lazarus. Then he said to me, The moment you see him you will be ready to go home. Nothing will hold you. Everything he said was true from the natural viewpoint. The man was helpless. He was nothing but a mass of bones with skin stretched over them. There was no life to be seen. Everything in him spoke of decay. I said to him, Will you shout? You remember that at Jericho the people shouted while the walls were still up. God has like victory for you if you will only believe. But I could not get him to believe. There was not an atom of faith there. He had made up his mind not to have anything. It is a blessed thing to learn that God's word can never fail. Never hearken to human plans. God can work mightily when you persist in believing him in spite of discouragements from the human standpoint. When I got back to the man to whom I had sent the postcard, he asked, Are you ready to go now? I am not moved by what I see. I am moved only by what I believe. I know this no man looks at appearances if he believes. No man considers how he feels if he believes. The man who believes God has it. Every man who comes into the Pentecostal condition can laugh at all things and believe God. There is something in the Pentecostal work that is different from anything else in the world. Somehow, in Pentecost, do you know that God is a reality? Wherever the Holy Ghost has right of way, the gifts of the Spirit will be in manifestation, and where these gifts are never in manifestation, I question whether He is present. Pentecostal people are spoiled for anything else than Pentecostal meetings. We want none of the entertainments that the churches are offering. When God comes and He entertains us Himself, entertained by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, oh, it is wonderful. There were difficult conditions in that Welsh village and it seemed impossible to get the people to believe. Ready to go home. I was asked. But a man and a woman there asked us to come and stay with them. I said, I want to know how many of you people can pray. No one wanted to pray. I asked if I could get seven people to pray with me for the poor man's deliverance. I said to the two people who were going to entertain us, I will count on you two, and there is my friend and myself, and we need three others. I told the people that I trusted that some of them would awaken to their privilege and come in the morning and join us in prayer for the raising of Lazarus. It will never do to give way to human opinions. If God says so thing, you are to believe it. I told the people that I would not eat anything that night. When I got to bed it seemed as if the devil tried to place on me everything that he had placed on that poor man in the bed. When I awoke I had a cough and all the weakness of a tubercular patient. I rolled out of bed onto the floor and cried out to God to deliver me from the power of the devil. I shouted loud enough to wake everybody in the house but nobody was disturbed. God gave victory and I got back into bed again as free as ever I was in my life. At five o'clock the Lord awakened me and said to me, Don't break bread until you break it round my table. At six o'clock he gave me these words, and I will raise him up. I put my elbow into the fellow who was sleeping with me. He said, Ugh. I put my elbow into him again and said, Do you hear? The Lord says that he will raise him up. At eight o'clock they said to me, Have a little refreshment. But I have found prayer 
and fasting the greatest joy, and you will always find it so when you are led by God. When we went to the house where Lazarus lived they're worried of us altogether. No one can prove to me that God does not always answer prayer. He always does more than that. He always gives the exceedingly abundant above all we ask or think. I shall never forget how the power of God fell on us as we went into that sick man's room. Oh, it was lovely. As we circled round the bed I got one brother to hold one of the sick men's hands, and I held the other, and we each held the hand of the person next to us. I said, we are not going to pray, we are just going to use the name of Jesus. We all knelt down and whispered that one word, Jesus. 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 The power of God fell, and then it lifted. Five times the power of God fell, and then it remained. But the person who was in the bed was unmoved. Two years previous someone had come along and had tried to raise him up, and the devil had used his lack of success as a means of discouraging Lazarus. I said, I don't care what the devil says, if God says he will raise you up it must be so forget everything else except what God says about Jesus. The sixth time the power fell, and the sick man's lips began moving, and the tears began to fall. I said to him, the power of God is here, it is yours to accept it. He said, I have been bitter in my heart, and I know I have grieved the Spirit of God. Here I am helpless. I cannot lift my hands, nor even lift a spoon to my mouth. I said, repent, and God will hear you. He repented, and cried out, O God, let this be to thy glory. As he said this the virtue of the Lord went right through him. I have asked the Lord to never let me tell this story except as it was, for I realize that God cannot bless exaggerations. As we again said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The bed shook, and the man shook. I said to the people that were with me, you can all go downstairs right away. This is all God. I'm not going to assist him. I sat and watched that man get up and dress himself. We sang the doxology as he walked down the steps. I said to him, now tell what has happened. It was soon noised abroad, that Lazarus had been raised up and the people came from Linelli and all the district round, to see him and hear his testimony. And God brought salvation to many. This man told right out in the open air what God had done, and, as a result many were convicted and converted. All this came through the name of Jesus, through faith in his name, yea, the faith that is by him gave the sick man perfect soundness in the presence of them all. Peter and John were helpless, were illiterate, they had no college education. They had been with Jesus. To them had come a wonderful revelation of the power of the name of Jesus. They had handed out the bread and fish, after Jesus had multiplied them. They had sat at the table with him and John had often gazed into his face, Peter had often to be rebuked, but Jesus manifested his love to Peter, through it all. Yea, he loved Peter, the wayward one. Oh, he's a wonderful lover. I have been wayward, I have been stubborn, I had an unmanageable temper at one time, but how patient he has been. I am here to tell you that there is power in Jesus, and in his wondrous name, to transform anyone, to heal anyone. If you will see him as God's Lamb, as God's beloved Son, who had laid upon him the iniquity of us all, if only you will see that Jesus paid the whole price for our redemption, that we might be free, you can enter into your purchased inheritance of salvation, of life, and of power. Poor Peter, and poor John. They had no money. But they had faith, they had the power of the Holy Ghost, they had God.
you can have God even though you have nothing else. Even though you have lost your character you can have God. I have seen the worst men saved by the power of God. I was one day preaching about the name of Jesus, and there was a man leaning against a lamp post, listening. It took a lamp post to enable him to keep on his feet. We had finished our open-air meeting, and the man was still leaning against the post. I asked him, are you sick? He showed me his hand and I saw beneath his coat, he had a silver-handled dagger. He told me that he was on his way to kill his unfaithful wife, but that he had heard me speaking about the power of the name of Jesus and could not get away. He said that he felt just helpless. I said, get you down. And there on the square, with people passing up and down, he got saved. I took him to my home and put on him a new suit. I saw that there was something in that man that God could use. He said to me the next morning, God has revealed Jesus to me, I see, that all has been laid upon Jesus. I lent him some money, and he soon got together a wonderful little home. His faithless wife was living with another man, but he invited her back to the home that he had prepared for her. She came, and where enmity and hatred had been before, the whole situation was transformed by love. God made that man a minister wherever he went. There is power in the name of Jesus everywhere. God can save to the uttermost. There comes before me a meeting we had in Stockholm that I shall ever bear in mind. There was a home for incurables there, and one of the inmates was brought to the meeting. He had palsy and was shaking all over. He stood up before three thousand people and came to the platform, supported by two others. The power of God fell on him as I anointed him in the name of Jesus. The moment I touched him he dropped his crutch and began to walk in the name of Jesus. He walked down the steps and round that great building in view of all the people. There is nothing that our God cannot do. He will do everything if you will dare to believe. Someone said to me, will you go to this home for incurables? They took me there on my rest day. They brought out the sick people into a great corridor. And in one hour the Lord set about twenty of them free. The name of Jesus is so marvelous. Peter and John had no conception of all that was in that name, neither had the man, Liam from his mother's womb, who was laid daily at the gate, but they had faith to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And as Peter took him by the right hand, and lifted him up, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and Li went into the temple with them, walking, and leaping, and praising God. God wants you to see more of this sort of thing done. How can it be done? Through his name, through faith in his name, through faith which is by him. Revivals in Scandinavia The writer had the privilege for three months one year of being in the center of Mr. Smith Wigglesworth's meetings in both Sweden and Denmark. It was a time of visitation from on high. I dare to say that hundreds of people received Jesus as their Savior, thousands were healed from all kinds of diseases, also thousands of believers awoke to a new life, and many, many received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as on the day of Pentecost. For all of us we give glory to Jesus. Here are a few examples of miracles my eyes have seen. It was in Orbro, Sweden, where at that time there was held a Pentecostal convention. I came to seek help myself, being worn out with long unbroken service in the Lord's work. The next day there was a meeting for healing. After the preaching service I went forward into the other hall, and I was surprised to find in a few minutes a crowd following. 
The hall was soon full with hundreds of men and women patiently waiting for a touch of God through his servant, and, glory to God, we were not disappointed. As hands were laid upon me the power of God went through me in a mighty way. I was immediately well. It was wonderful to notice, as the ministry continued, the effect upon the people, as the power of the Lord came over them. Some lifted their hands, crying, I am healed. I am healed. Some fell on the platform under the power of the Spirit, having to be helped down. Others walked away, as in a dream, others, as drunk with new wine, lost to everything but God, but all had faces, as transfigured with the glory of the Lord, and magnifying Jesus. A young blind girl, as she was ministered to, cried out, Oh, how many windows there are in this hall! During the three weeks the meeting continued the great chapel was crowded daily, multitudes being healed, and many saved. The testimony meetings were wonderful. One said, I was deaf, they prayed, and Jesus healed me another, I had consumption, and I am free. And so on. At Skavda, in the smaller hall, set apart for those seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I shall never forget the sight, how the people with eyes closed and hearts uplifted to God waited. Did the Holy Spirit fall upon them? Of course he did. Here also many were healed. At another place there was a young man, whose body was spoiled because of sin, but the Lord is merciful with sinners. He was anointed, and when hands were laid on, the power of God went mightily over him. He said, I am healed, but being broken down, he cried, as a little child, confessing his sin, at the same moment the Lord saved him. Glory to God! He went into the large hall and testified to salvation and healing. At Stockholm, long queues waited for hours, to get in the hall held 1,800 people. At nearly every meeting crowds were unable to enter the building, but they waited on, often hours and hours, for the chance, if any left the building to step into the place. Here a man with two crutches, his whole body shaking with palsy, is lifted onto the platform. Behind him five or six hundred more are waiting for help. This man is anointed and hands laid upon him in the name of Jesus. He is still shaking. Then he drops one crutch, and after a short time the other one. His body is still shaking, but he takes the first step, out in faith. Will it be? He lifts one foot and then the other, walks round the platform. The onlookers rejoice with him. Now he walks around the auditorium. Hallelujah! During this meeting a woman began to shout and shout. The preacher told her to be quiet, but instead she jumped up on a chair, flourishing her arms about, and crying, I am healed. I am healed. I had cancer in my mouth, and I was unsaved, but during the meeting, as I listened to the word of God, the Lord has saved me, and healed me of cancer in my mouth. She shouts again, I am saved. I am saved. I am healed of cancer else she was quite beside herself. The people laughed, and cried together. Here was another woman unable to walk, sitting on a chair, as she was ministered to. Her experience was the same as hundreds of others. She rose up, looking around, wondering if after all it was a dream. Suddenly she laughed and said, My leg is healed. Afterwards she said, I am not safe, and streams of tears ran down her face. They prayed for her, and later she left the meeting healed and saved, and full of joy. We have a wonderful Savior, glory to his holy name. Out of many many miracles in Norway, I quote two taken from Pastor Barrett's paper. Corset Sire the Victory of the Cross. A man and his son came in a taxi to the meeting. Both had crutches. 
The father had been in bed two years, and was unable to put his leg to the ground. He was ministered to. He dropped both crutches, walking and praising God. When the son saw this he cried out, Help me too, and after a little while the father and son, without crutches and without taxi, walked away from the halt together. That word again is manifested, the same Jesus, the wonder-working Jesus is just the same today. Now Copenhagen, my homeland. During three weeks thousands daily attended the meetings. Each morning two or three hundred were ministered to for healing. Each evening the platform was surrounded. Again and again, as each throng retired and other company came forward seeking salvation. Here many were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The testimony meetings were wonderful. Now I will close with a vision a brother had who attended these meetings. He was lost in intercession for the hundreds of sick waiting to be ministered to for healing. He saw an opening from the platform where the sick were right into the glory. He saw wonderful beings in the form of men resting who, with interest, looked on. Again he looked at the platform and saw a heavenly being clothed in white who all the time was more active than any other in helping the sick, and when he touched them the effect was wonderful. Bent forms were made straight, their eyes shone, they began to glorify and praise the Lord. A voice said, Healings are the smallest of the gifts, it is but a drop in the bucket in view of what God has in store for his children. Ye shall do greater works than these and let we need in confidence. Wilt thou be made whole? Read John 5 1-24 I believe the word of God is so powerful that it can transform any and every life. There is power in God's word to make that which does not appear to appear. There is executive power in the word that proceeds from his lips. The psalmist tells us he sent his word and healed them PS 10720 and you think that word has diminished in its power. I tell you nay, but God's word can bring things to pass today as of old. The psalmist said, Before I was afflicted I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. And again, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes PS 119.67.71. And if our afflictions will bring us to the place where we see that we cannot live by bread alone, but must partake of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, they will have served a blessed purpose. But I want you to realize that there is a life of purity, a life made clean through the word he has spoken, in which, through faith, you can glorify God with a body that is free from sickness, as well as with a spirit set free from the bondage of Satan. Here they lay, a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, around the pool, waiting for the moving of the water. Did Jesus heal everybody? He left many around that pool unhealed. There were doubtless many who had their eyes on the pool and who had no eyes for Jesus. There are many today who have their confidence all the time in things seen. If they would only get their eyes on God instead of on natural things, how quickly they would be helped. 34 The question arises, is salvation and healing for all? It is for all who will press right in and get their portion. You remember the case of that Syrophoenician woman who wanted the devil cast out of her daughter. Jesus said to her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. Note, healing and deliverance are here spoken of by the Master as the children's bread dollar sign O. If you are a child of God, you can surely press in for your portion. The Syrophoenician woman, Mark 7 24-30, purposed to get from the Lord what she was after, and she said, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs, under the table eat of the children's crumbs. 
Jesus was stirred as he saw the faith of this woman, and he told her, For the saying go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. Today there are many children of God refusing their blood-purchased portion of health in Christ, and are throwing it away, while sinners are pressing through and picking it up from under the table, as it were, and are finding the cure not only for their bodies, but for their spirits and souls as well. The Syrophoenician woman went home, and found that the devil had indeed gone out of her daughter. Today there is bread, there is life, there is health for every child of God through his all-powerful word. The word can drive every disease away from your body. It is your portion in Christ, him, who is our bread, our life, our health, our all in all. Arid though you may be deep in sin, you can come to him in repentance, and he will forgive and cleanse and heal you. His words are spirit and life to those who will receive them. There is a promise in the last verse in Joel, I will cleanse their blood, that I have not cleansed. This is as much as to say he will provide new life within. The life of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can so purify men's hearts and minds, that they become entirely transformed, spirit, soul, and body. There they are round the pool, and this man had been there a long time. His infirmity was of thirty-eight years standing. Now and again an opportunity would come, as the angel stirred the waters, but his heart would be made sick, as he saw another step in, and be healed before him. But one day Jesus was passing that way, and seeing him lying there in that sad condition, inquired, Wilt thou be made whole? Jesus said, It, and his word is from everlasting to everlasting. This is his word to you, poor, tried and tested one today. You may say, like this poor impotent man, I have missed every opportunity up till now. Never mind about that wilt thou be made whole. I visited a woman who had been suffering for many years. She was all twisted up with rheumatism, and had been two years in bed. I said to her, what makes you lay here? She said, I've come to the conclusion that I have a thorn in the flesh. I said, to what wonderful degree of righteousness have you attained, that you have to have a thorn in the flesh? Have you had such an abundance of divine revelations, that there is danger of your being exalted above measure? She said, I believe it is the Lord, who is causing me to suffer. I said, you believe it is the Lord's will for you to suffer, and you are trying to get out of it as quickly, as you can. There are doctor's bottles all over the place. Get out of your hitting place and confess that you are a sinner. If you'll get rid of your self-righteousness, God will do something for you. Drop the idea that you are so holy that God has got to afflict you. Sin is the cause of your sickness, and not righteousness. Disease is not caused by righteousness, but by sin. There is healing through the blood of Christ and deliverance for every captive. God never intended his children to live in misery, because of some affliction, that comes directly from the devil. A perfect atonement was made at Calvary. I believe that Jesus bore my sins, and I am free from them all. I am justified from all things, if I dare believe. He himself took our infirmities, and bare our sicknesses, and if I dare believe, I can be healed. See this poor, helpless man at the pool. Wilt thou be made whole? But there is a difficulty in the way. The man has one eye on the pool, and one on Jesus. There are many people getting cross-eyed this way these days, they have one eye, on the doctor, and one on Jesus. If you will only look to Christ, and put both your eyes on him you can be made every whit whole, spirit, soul, and body. It is the word of the living God, that they that believe should be justified, made free from all things.
and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You say, oh, if I only could believe. He understands. Jesus knew he had been a long time in that case. He is full of compassion. He knows that kidney trouble, he knows those corns, he knows that neuralgia. There is nothing he does not know. He only wants a chance to show himself merciful and gracious to you. But he wants to encourage you to believe him. If thou canst only believe, thou canst be saved and healed. Dare to believe that Jesus was wounded for your transgressions, was bruised for your iniquities, was chastised that you might have peace, and that by his stripes there is healing for you right here and now. You have failed because you have not believed him. Cry out to him even now, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. I was in Long Beach, California, one day, and with a friend, was passing a hotel. He told me of a doctor there who had a diseased leg, that he had been suffering from it for six years, and could not get out. We went up to his room and found four doctors there. I said, well, doctor, I see you have plenty on, I'll call again another day. I was passing at another time, and the spirit said, go join thyself to him. Poor doctor. He surely was in a bad condition. He said, I have been like this for six years, and nothing human can help me. I said, do you need God Almighty? People are trying to patch up their lives, but you cannot do anything without God. I talked to him for a while about the Lord, and then prayed for him. I cried, come out of him, in the name of Jesus. The doctor cried, it's all gone. Oh, if we only knew Jesus. One touch of his mightiness meets the need of every crooked thing. The trouble is to get people to believe him. The simplicity of this salvation is wonderful. One touch of living faith in him is all that is required, and wholeness is your portion. I was in Long Beach about six weeks later, and the sick were coming for prayer. Among those filling up the aisle was the doctor. I said, what is the trouble? He said, diabetes, but it will be all right tonight. I know it will be all right. There is no such thing as the Lord not meeting your need. There are no ifs or mars, his promises are all shahs. All things are possible to him that believe with, oh, the name of Jesus. There is power in that name, to meet every condition of human need. At that meeting there was an old man helping his son to the altar. He said, he has fits many every day. Then there was a woman with a cancer. Oh, what sin has done? We read that, when God brought forth his people from Egypt, there was not one feeble person among their tribes PS 10537. No disease? All healed by the power of God. I believe that God wants a people, like that today. I prayed for the sister who had the cancer, and she said, I know I'm free, and that God has delivered me. Then they brought the boy with the fits, and I commanded the evil spirits, to leave, in the name of Jesus. Then I prayed for the doctor. At the next night's meeting the house was full. I called out, now, doctor, what about the diabetes? He said, it has gone. Then I said to the old man, what, about your son? He said, he hasn't had any fits since. We have a God who answers prayer. Jesus meant this man at the pool to be a testimony forever. When he had both eyes on Jesus, he said to him, do the impossible thing. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Jesus called on the man with the withered hand to do the impossible to stretch forth his hand. The man did the impossible thing he stretched out his hand, and it was made every whit whole. And so with this impotent man he began to rise, and he found the power of God moving within.
He wrapped up his bed and began to walk off. It was the Sabbath day, and there were some of those folks around who think much more of a day, and they do of the Lord, and they began to make a fuss. When the power of God is in manifestation, a protest will always come from some hypocrites. Jesus knew all about what the man was going through, and met him again, and this time he said to him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. There is a close relationship between sin and sickness. How many know that their sickness is a direct result of sin? I hope that no one will come to be prayed for who is living in sin. But if you will obey God, and repent of your sin, and quit it, God will meet you, and neither your sickness, nor your sin will remain. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Faith is just the open door through which the Lord comes. Do not say, I was healed by faith. Faith does not save. God saves through that open door. Healing comes the same way. You believe, and the virtue of Christ comes. Healing is for the glory of God. I am here because God healed me when I was dying, and I have been all around the world preaching this full redemption, doing all I can to bring glory to the wonderful name of Jesus, through whom I was healed. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. The Lord told us in one place, about an evil spirit going out from a man. The house that he left got all sweat air garnished, but it received no new occupant. And that evil spirit, with seven other spirits more wicked than himself, went back to that unoccupied house, and the last stage of the man was worse than the first. The Lord does not heal you to go to a baseball game, or to a raise meet. He heals you for his glory and that from henceforth your life shall glorify him. But this man remained stationary. He did not magnify God. He did not seek to be filled with the Spirit. And his last state became worse than the first. The Lord would so cleanse the motive and desires of our hearts, that we will seek, but one thing only, and that is, His glory. I went to a certain place one day, and the Lord said, This is for my glory. A young man had been sick for a long time confined to his bed in an utterly hopeless condition. He was fed only with a spoon, and was never dressed. The weather was damp. And so I said to the people of the house, I wish you would put the young man's clothes by the fire to air. At first they would not take any notice of my request, but, because I was persistent, they at last got out his clothes, and, when they were aired, I took them into his room. The Lord said to me, You will have nothing to do with this, and I just lay out prostrate on the floor. The Lord showed me that he was going to shake the place with his glory. The very bed shook. I laid my hands on the young man in the name of Jesus, and the power fell in such a way that I fell with my face to the floor. In about a quarter of an hour the young man got up and walked up and down praising God. He dressed himself and then went out to the room where his father and mother were. He said, God has healed me both the father and mother felt prostrate to the floor as the power of God surged through that room. There was a woman in that house who had been in an asylum for lunacy and her condition was so bad that they were about to take her back. But the power of God healed her too. The power of God is just the same today as of old. Men need to be taken back to the old paths, to the old time faith, to believe God's word, and every thus at the Lord therein. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in these days. God is coming forth. If you want to be in the rising tide, you must accept all God has said. Wilt thou be made whole? It is Jesus who asks it. 
Give him your answer. He will hear and he will answer. Blessing in Australia. The following is from Melbourne, Australia. From Sister Winnie Andrews, in connection with Brother Wigglesworth's ministry there, a young woman declares, I was brought to last Sunday's meeting a poor, dying woman, with a disease which was eating into every part of my being. I was full of corruption outside as well, as in, but the Lord Jesus Christ came, and loosed me, and set me free. Since then I have slept better, and have eaten more heartily than I have for eight years. The president of the Methodist Local Preachers Association testified to having been delivered from nervous trouble. Mr. Saul Glush, a prominent businessman, testified to deliverance from an affliction in the feet since he was two years old, now he is fifty though. Since I was prayed for in the name of Jesus all pain is gone. No one has ever seen me do this, stamping his feet. I have no use for my stick. A lady said, while sitting in my seat, listening to the word, God healed me of liver trouble, gallstones, and sciatica. He has also touched my daughter, who was suffering with her feet, having been operated on twice. She had little hope of being anything but an invalid, but the Lord operated. All pain has gone. Praise the Lord. Mr. Llewellyn, a Church of England reader, testified to having been immediately healed of a stiff knee. Mr. Barrett testified that Miss Witt of Box Hill, who has been 22 years in an invalid chair, rose and walked after Mr. Wigglesworth ministered unto her in the name of Jesus. Another testified of having been healed the night before of rheumatoid arthritis of four years standing, discarding crutch and stick. Mr. Johnson of Spermvale, who had been deaf 20 years, and his wife, who had sat in a wheelchair for six years, were immediately healed. The empty chair was wheeled to the railway station. The woman testifying to passers-by of the great things God had done for her. Many were healed through the application of handkerchiefs. From the Pentecostal Evangel, if you do get into error on these lines, praise God, there is a way out. I praise God, that he will break us down till all pride leaves us. The worst pride we can have is the pride of exaltation of self. Paul wrote at the commandment of the Lord, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. If you are not humble enough to allow your prophecy to be judged, it is as surely wrong, as you are wrong. Prophecy has to be judged. A meeting such as this one that Paul suggests would certainly be the greatest meeting you ever had. Praise God, the tide will rise to this. It will all come into perfect order, when the church is bathed and lost in the great ideal of only glorifying Jesus. Then things will come to pass that will be worthwhile. Coupled with prophecy you will have the fruit of the Spirit, that is goodness. They were holy men who spoke in prophecy in days of old as the Holy Ghost prompted them, and so today the prophet, who can be trusted as a man, that is full of goodness, that goodness which is the fruit of the Spirit. But when he gets out of this position, and rests upon his own individuality, he is in danger of being puffed up and becoming an instrument for the enemy. I knew some people who had a wonderful farm, very productive, in a very good neighborhood, they listened to voices telling them to sell everything and go to Africa. These voices so unhinged them that they had scarcely had time to sell out. They sold their property at a ridiculous price. The same voices told them of a certain ship they were to sail on. When they got to the port they found there wasn't a ship of that name. The difficulty was this, to get them not to believe these false voices. 
they said perhaps it was the mind of the Lord to give them another ship, and the voice soon gave them the name of another ship. When they reached Africa they knew no language that was spoken there. But the voice did not let them stop. They had to come back, broken-hearted, shaken through, and having lost all confidence in everything. If these people had had sense to go to some men of God, who were filled with the Spirit, and seek their counsel, they would soon have been persuaded that these voices were not of God. But listening to these voices always brings about to spiritual pride, that makes a man or woman think, that they are superior to their brethren, and that they are above taking counsel of men, who they think are not so filled with the Spirit, as they are. If you hear any voices that make you think that you are superior to those whom God has put in the church to rule the church, watch out, that is surely the devil. We read in the Revelation, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You will find that true prophetic utterance always exalts the Lamb of God. No prophetic touches of any good unless there is fire in it. I never expect to be used of God, till the fire burns. I feel, that if I ever speak, it must be by the Spirit. At the same time remember, that the prophet must prophesy according to the measure of faith. If you rise up in your weakness, but rise up in love, because you want to honor God, and just begin, you will find the presence of the Lord, upon you. Act in faith and the Lord will meet you. May God take us on, and on into this glorious fact of faith, that we may be so in the Holy Ghost, that God will work through us on the line of the miraculous and on the lines of prophecy, where we shall always know that it is no longer we but He, who is working through us, bringing forth that which is in His own divine good pleasure. The gift of tongues follow after charity, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit, in the spirit he speaketh mysteries one core. 14 1, 2. It is necessary that we have a great desire for spiritual gifts. We must thirst after them and covet them earnestly, because the gifts are necessary and important, that we, by the grace of God having received the gifts, may be used for God's glory. God has ordained the speaking in an unknown tongue unto himself, as a wonderful, supernatural means of communication in the Spirit. As we speak to him in the unknown tongue we speak wonderful mysteries in the Spirit. In Ram 8.27 we read, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Many times as we speak unto God, in an unknown tongue we are in intercession, and, as we pray thus in the Spirit we pray according to the will of God. And there is such a thing as the Spirit making intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. On this line I want to tell you about Willie Burton, who is laboring for God, in the Belgium Congo. Brother Burton is a mighty man of God, and is giving his life for the heathen in Africa. He took fever, and went down to death. They said, he has preached his last, what shall we do? All their hopes seemed to be blighted, and there they stood, with broken hearts, wondering what was going to take place. They left him for dead, but, in a moment, without any signal, he stood right in the midst of them, and they could not understand it. The explanation he gave was this, that, when he came to himself, he realized a warmth going right through his body, and there wasn't one thing wrong with him. How did it come about? It was a mystery until he went to London, and was telling the people, how he was left for dead, and then was raised up. A lady came up and asked for a private conversation with him, and arranged the time. She asked, do you keep a diary? He answered, yes. She told him, 
It happened on a certain day that I went to pray, and as soon as I knelt, I had you on my mind. The Spirit of the Lord took hold of me and prayed through me in an unknown tongue. A vision came before me in which I saw you laid out helpless, and I cried out in the unknown tongue, till I saw you rise up and go out of that room. She had kept a note of the time, and when he'd earned to his diary he found that it was exactly the time when he was raised up. There are great possibilities, as we yield to the Spirit and speak unto God in quiet hours in our bedrooms. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost so that everything about you shall be charged with the dynamic of heaven. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Verse 4. I want you to see that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, or builds himself up. We must be edified before we can edify the church. I cannot estimate what I, personally, owe to the Holy Ghost method of spiritual edification. I am here before you as one of the biggest conundrums in the world. There never was a weaker man on the platform. Language? None. Inability full of it. All natural things in my life point exactly opposite to my being able to stand on the platform and preach the gospel. The secret is that the Holy Ghost came and brought this wonderful edification of the Spirit. I had been reading this word continual as well as I could, but the Holy Ghost came and took hold of it, for the Holy Ghost is the breath of it, and He illuminated it to me and He gives me language that I cannot speak fast enough. It comes too fast and it is there because God has given it. When the Comforter is come he shall teach you all things, and he has given me this supernatural means of speaking in an unknown tongue to edify myself, so that, after being edified, I can edify the church. In 1 John 2.20 we read, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. In verse 27 we read, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man should teach you. But, as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no light, and even, as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Even, when you are baptized in the Spirit you may say, I seem so dry, I don't know where I am. The word says you have an unction. Thank God you have received an anointing. The Holy Ghost here says that he is abiding, and, that he teaches you of all things. These are great and definite positions for you. The Holy Ghost would have used to up your faith to believe that this word is true that you have the unction and that the anointing abideth. As you rise up in the morning believe this wonderful truth and as you yield to the Spirit's presence and power you will find yourself speaking unto God in the Spirit and you will find that you are personally being edified by doing this. Let everything about you be a lie but let this word of God be true. The devil will say you are the driest person and that you will never do anything. But you believe God's word, that the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth, and he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edification. You must understand, that God would always have you to be in the place of prophecy, for everyone who has received the Holy Ghost has a right to prophesy. In verse 31 we read, ye may all prophesy one by one. Now prophecy is far in advance of speaking in tongues, except that you have the interpretation of the speaking in tongues, and then God gets an equivalent to prophecy. In verse 13 we read, Let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray, that he may interpret. This is an important word. 
after receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance, I did not speak with tongues again for nine months. I was troubled about it because I went up and down laying hands upon people, that they might receive the Holy Ghost, and they were speaking in tongues, but I did not have the joy of speaking myself. God wanted to show me that the speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance, which I received when I received the baptism, was distinct from the gift of tongues which I subsequently received. When I laid hands on other people, and they received the Holy Ghost, I used to think, Oh, Lord Jesus, it would be nice if you would let me speak. He withheld the gift from me, for he knew that I would meet many who would say that the baptism of the Holy Ghost can be received without the speaking in tongues, and that people simply received the gift of tongues when they received the baptism. I did not receive the gift of tongues at that time, but nine months later I was going out of the door one morning, speaking to the Lord, in my own heart, when there came a volume of tongues. When the tongue stopped I said to the Lord, Now, Lord, I did not do it and I wasn't seeking it, so you have done it, and I am not going to move from this place, until you give me interpretation. And then came an interpretation which has been fulfilled all the world over. Is it the Holy Ghost who speaks? Then the Holy Ghost can interpret. Let him that speaks in a tongue pray, that he may interpret, and God will give it. We must not rush through without getting a clear understanding of what God has to say to us what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 15. If you pray in an unknown tongue in the Spirit you do not know what you are praying, you have no understanding of it. It is unfruitful to those round about you, but you have the same power to pray with the understanding, under the unction of the Spirit, as you have to pray in an unknown tongue. Some say, oh, I could do that, but it would be myself doing it. If you pray, it is yourself, and everything you do in the beginning is yourself. I kneel down to pray and the first and second sentences. Maybe in the natural, but as soon as I have finished, the Spirit begins to pray through me the first may be yourself. Granted. The next will be the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will take you through, praise the Lord. Everything but faith will say, that isn't right. Faith says, it is right. The natural man says, it isn't right. Faith says, it is right. Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also, and he does it in faith. The devil is against it and your own self-life is against it. May God the Holy Ghost bring us into the blessed place, where we may live, walk, pray, and sing in the Spirit, and pray, and sing with the understanding also. Faith will do it. Faith has a deaf ear to the devil, and to the working of the natural mind, and a big ear to God. Faith has a deaf ear to yourself, and an open ear to God. Faith won't take any notice of feelings. Faith says, you are complete in him. It is a wonderful thing to pray in the Spirit, and to sing in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and singing in tongues, as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. I never get out of bed in the morning without having communion with God, in the Spirit. It is the most wonderful thing on earth. It is most lovely to be in the spirit when you are dressing and you come out to the world and the world has no effect on you. You begin the day like that and you will be conscious of the guidance of the spirit right through the day. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. Eighteen. 19.
many people will come round and say that Paul said he would rather speak five words with the known tongue than ten thousand words without understanding. Then we'll always leave out that part of the sentence, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all. Paul was here correcting the excessive speaking in tongues without interpretation, which was not for the edification of the assembly. If there was no interpreter present, they were simply to speak to themselves and to God. Suppose we had someone preaching and we had twenty or thirty people all up and down in tongues, it would be very serious. There would be confusion. The people who attend the meeting would rather have five words of edification, consolation, and comfort than ten thousand words without understanding. Because you feel a touch of the Spirit you are not obliged to speak in tongues. The Lord will give you a sound mind so that you will hold your body in perfect order for the edification of the church. But Paul here says that he spake in tongues more than they all, and, as it is evident that the Corinthian church was given to this thing very considerably, he certainly must have been speaking tremendously in tongues both day and night. He was so edified by this wonderful, supernatural means of being built up, that he could go to the church, and preaching in a manner so that they could all understand him, he would marvelously edify the saints. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues, and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Verses 21, 22. There are many who call themselves believers, who are extremely unbelieving. One of the unbelieving believers was a Methodist minister who lived in Sheffield, England. A man gave him a check and told him to go and take a rest. This man also gave him my name and address, so, when he got to Bradford, he began to inquire about me. He was warned against me as one of the Dungs people, and was told to be very careful, and not to be taken in, for the whole thing was of the devil. He said, they will not take me in, I know too much for them to take me in. He was quite run down and needed rest, and when he came he said, a friend of yours sent me, is it all right? I replied, yes, you are welcome but we could do nothing with that man. It was impossible. Talk. You never heard anyone talk like him. It was talk, 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 talk. I said, let him alone, he will surely finish some day. We had dinner, and he talked through dinner time. We had the next meal, and he talked through that. It was our Friday night meeting for those seeking the baptism, and the room began to fill with people, and still he talked. No one could get antigens he lodged himself in a place where he could not be disturbed by those coming in. I said, Brother, you will have to stop now, we are going to pray. As a general thing we had some singing before going to prayer, but this time it was different. It was God's order. We got straight to prayer and as soon as we began to pray two young women, one on this side and the other on the other side began speaking in tongues and this minister it was also strange to him moved from one to the other to hear what they were saying. In a little while he said, May I go to my room? I said, Yes, brother, if you wish. So he went to his room and we had a wonderful time. We went to bed about eleven o'clock or so, and at half past three in the morning this man came to the bedroom door. Knock, knock, may I come in? Yes, come in he opened the door and said, He is come, he is come holding his mouth, for he could hardly speak in English. I said, Go back to bed, tell us tomorrow. Tongues are for the unbeliever, and this man was an unbeliever, an unbelieving believer. Again and again I have seen conviction come upon people through the speaking in tongues. 
The next morning he came down to breakfast and said, Oh, was not that a wonderful night? He said, I know Greek and Hebrew, and those two young women were speaking these languages, one was saying in Greek, back quote get right with God, and the other was saying the same thing in Hebrew. I knew it was God speaking, and I knew it was not me. I first had to repent. I came in an unbeliever, but I found that God was here. In the night God laid me on the floor for about two hours. I was helpless. Then God broke through. Here he began again to speak in tongues, right over the breakfast table. God will have witnesses of his mighty power that no man can gainsay. You will have to see that the Holy Ghost will speak through you in tongues and interpretation which will bring conviction to the unbeliever in the open air, and you will find that God will convict by this means. I will explain to you the most perfect way to receive a gift. Come with me to the second chapter of 2 Kings, and I will show you a man receiving a gift. Elijah had been mightily used of God in calling down fire, and in other miracles, and Elisha is moved with a great spirit of covetousness to have this man's gifts. You can be very covetous for the gifts of the Spirit and God will allow it. When Elijah said to him, I want you to stop at Gilgal, Elisha said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. There was no stopping him. When Elijah wanted Elisha to stop at Jericho he said in substance, I am not stopping. The man that stops gets nothing. Oh, don't stop at Jericho, don't stop at Jordan, don't stop anywhere when God would have you move on into all of his fullness that he has for you. They came to Jordan and Elijah took his mantle and smote the waters. They divided and Elijah and Elisha went over on dry ground. Elijah turned to Elisha and said in substance, Look here, what do you want? Elisha was wanting what he was going to have, and you may covet all that God says that you shall have. Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. This was the plowboy who had washed the hands of his master, but his spirit got so big that he purposed in his heart that when Elijah stepped off the scene, he would be put into his place. Elijah said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. May God help you never to stop persevering till you get what you want. Let your aspiration be large and your faith rise, until you are wholly on fire for God's best. Onward they go, and, as one steps, the other steps with him. He purposed to keep his eye on his master, until the last. It took a chariot of fire and horses of fire to part them asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I can fancy I hear Elisha crying out, Father Elijah, drop that mantle. And it came down. Oh, I can see it lowering, lowering, and lowering. Elisha took all of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces, and then he took up the mantle of Elijah. I do not believe that, when he put on that other mantle, he felt any difference in himself, but when he came to Jordan, he took the mantle of Elijah and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters parted, and he went over on dry ground. And the sons of the prophet said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest upon Elisha. It is like receiving a gift, you don't know, that you have it till you act in faith. Brothers and sisters, as you ask, believe. The word of knowledge, and faith to another the word of knowledge, by the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit one core. 12 8, 9. We have not passed this way hitherto. I believe that Satan has many devices, and that they are worse today, than ever before, 
but I also believe that there is to be a full manifestation on the earth of the power and glory of God, to defeat every device of Satan. In Ephesians 4 we are told to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, for there is one body, and one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, of all. The baptism of the Spirit is to make us all one. Paul tells us in 1 Cor. 12.13 that by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. It is God's thought that we speak the same thing. If we all have the full revelation of the Spirit of God we shall all see the same thing. Paul asked these Corinthians, is Christ divided? When the Holy Ghost has full control, Christ is never divided, his body is not divided, there is no division. Schism and division are the products of the carnal mind. How important it is that we shall have the manifestation of the word of knowledge in our midst. It is the same Spirit who brings forth the word of wisdom, that brings forth the word of knowledge. The revelation of the mysteries of God comes by the Spirit, and we must have a supernatural word of knowledge in order to convey to others the things which the Spirit of God has revealed. The Spirit of God reveals Christ in all his wonderful fullness, and he shows him to us from the beginning to the end of the Scriptures. It is the Scriptures that make us wise unto salvation, that open to us the depths of the kingdom of heaven, which reveal all the divine mind to us. There are thousands of people who read and study the word of God but it is not quickened to them. The Bible is a dead letter except by the Spirit. The Word of God can never be vital and powerful in us except by the Spirit. The words that Christ spoke were not just dead words, but they were Spirit and life. And so it is the thought of God, that a living Word, a Word of Truth, the Word of God, a supernatural Word of Knowledge, shall come forth from us through the power of the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Ghost who will bring forth utterances from our lips, and a divine revelation of all the mind of God. The child of God ought to thirst for the Word. He should know nothing else but the Word, and should know nothing among men save Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is, as we feed on the Word, and meditate on the message it contains, that the Spirit of God can vitalize that which we have received, and bring forth through us the Word of Knowledge, that will be as full of power and life, as when He, the Spirit of God, moved upon holy men of old and gave them these inspired scriptures. They were all inbreathed of God as they came forth at the beginning, and through the same Spirit they should come forth from us vitalized, living, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. With the gifts of the Spirit should come the fruit of the Spirit. With wisdom we should have love, with knowledge we should have joy, and with the third gift, faith, we should have the fruit of peace. Faith is always accompanied by peace. Faith always rests. Faith laughs at impossibilities. Salvation is by faith, through grace, and it is the gift of God. We are kept by the power of God through faith. God gives faith and nothing can take it away. By faith we have power to enter into the wonderful things of God. There are three positions of faith, saving faith, which is the gift of God, the faith of the Lord Jesus, and the gift of faith. You will remember the word of the Lord Jesus Christ given to Paul, to which he refers in the 26th of Acts, where the Lord commissioned him to go to the Gentiles, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness unto light, and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them back quote which are sanctified by faith that is in me oh this wonderful faith of the Lord Jesus. Your faith comes to an end. 
how many times I have been to the place where I have had to tell the Lord, I have used all the faith I have, and then he has placed his own faith within me. One of our workers said to me at Christmas time, Wigglesworth, I never was so near the end of my person in my life. I replied, Thank God, you are just at the opening of God's treasures. It is when we are at the end of our own that we can enter into the riches of God's resources. It is when we possess nothing that we can possess all things. The Lord will always meet you when you are on the line of living faith. I was in Ireland at one time and went to a house and said to the lady who came to the door, Is Brother Wallace here? She replied, Oh, he has gone to Bangor, but God has sent you here for me I need you. Come and she told me her husband was a deacon of the Presbyterian Church. She had herself received the baptism while she was a member of the Presbyterian Church, but they did not accept it as from God. The people of the church said to her husband, This thing cannot go on. We don't want you to be deacon any longer and your wife is not wanted in the church. The man was very enraged and he became incensed against his wife. It seemed as though an evil spirit possessed him and the home that had once been peaceful became very terrible. At last he left home and left no money behind him, and the woman asked me what should she do. We went to prayer and before we had prayed five minutes the woman was mightily filled with the Holy Ghost. I said to her, sit down and let me talk to you. Are you often in the Spirit, like this? She said, yes, and what could I do without the Holy Ghost now? I said to her, the situation is yours. The Word of God says that you have power to sanctify your husband. Dare to believe the Word of God. Now the first thing we must do is to pray that your husband come back tonight. She said, I know he won't. I said, if we agree together, it is done. She said, I will agree. I said to her, when he comes home show him all possible love, lavish everything upon him. If he won't hear what you have to say, let him go to bed. The situation is yours. Get down before God and claim Him for the Lord. Get into the glory just as you have gotten today, and as the Spirit of God prays through you, you will find that God will grant all the desires of your heart. A month later I saw this sister at a convention. She told how her husband came home that night and that he went to bed, but she prayed right through to victory and then laid her hands upon him. The moment she laid hands upon him he cried out for mercy. The Lord saved him and baptized him in the Holy Spirit. The power of God is beyond all our conception. The trouble is that we do not have the power of God in a full manifestation because of our finite thoughts, but as we go on and let God have his way, there is no limit to what our limitless God will do in response to a limitless faith. But you will never get anywhere except you are in constant pursuit of all the power of God. One day when I came home from our open-air meeting, at 11 o'clock I found that my wife was out. I asked, where is she? I was told that she was down at Mitchell's. I had seen Mitchell that day and knew that he was at the point of death. I knew that it was impossible for him to survive the day unless the Lord undertook. There are many who let down in sickness and do not take hold of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that is provided for them. I was taken to see a woman who was dying and said to her, How are things with you? She answered, I have faith, I believe. I said, Do you know that you have not faith, do you know that you are dying? It is not faith that you have, it is language. There is a difference between language and faith. I saw that she was in the hands of the devil. 
there was no possibility of life until he was removed from the premises. I hate the devil, and I laid hold of the woman, and shouted, Come out, you devil of death. I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. In one minute she stood on her feet in victory. But to return to the case of Brother Mitchell, I hurried down to the house, and, as I got near I heard terrible screams. I knew that something had happened. I passed Mrs. Mitchell on the staircase, and asked, What is up? She replied, He is gone. He is gone. I just passed her, and went into the room, and immediately I saw that Mitchell had gone. I could not understand it, but I began to pray. My wife was always afraid that I would go too far, and she laid hold of Ma, and said, Don't, Dad. Don't you see? That he is dead. I continued to pray and my wife continued to cry out to me, Don't, Dad. Don't you see? That he is dead. But I continued praying. I got as far as I could with my Ovian faith, and then God laid hold of me. Oh, it was such a laying hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me and a solid peace came into my heart. I shouted, He lives. He lives. He lives. And he is living today. There is a difference between our faith and the faith of the Lord Jesus. The faith of the Lord Jesus is needed. We must change faith from time to time. Your faith may get to a place where it wavers. The faith of Christ never wavers. When you have that faith the thing is finished. When you have that faith you will never look at things as they are. You will see the things of nature give weight to the things of the Spirit. You will see the temporal swallowed up in the eternal. I was at a camp meeting in Casadero, California, several years ago, and a remarkable thing happened. A man came there who was stone deaf. I prayed for him, and I knew that God had healed him. Then came the test. He would always move his chair up to the platform, and every time I got up to speak he would get up as close as he could and strain his ears to catch what I had to say. The devil said, It isn't done. I declared, It is done. This went on for three weeks and then the manifestation came, and he could hear distinctly sixty yards away. When his ears were opened he thought it was so great that he had to stop the meeting and tell everybody about it. I met him in Oakland recently, and he was hearing perfectly. As we remain steadfast and unmovable on the ground of faith, we shall see what we believe for in perfect manifestation. People say to me, Have you not the gift of faith? I say that it is an important gift, but what is still more important is for us every moment to be making an advancement in God. Looking at the Word of God today I find that its realities are greater to me today and they were yesterday. It is the most sublime, joyful truth that God brings an enlargement. Always an enlargement. There is nothing dead, dry or barren in this life of the Spirit. God is always moving us on to something higher. And, as we move on in the spirit our faith will always rise to the occasion, as different circumstances arise. This is how the gift of faith is manifested. You see an object and you know that your own faith is nothing in the case. The other day I was in San Francisco. I sat on a car and saw a boy in great agony on the street. I said, let me get out. I rushed to where the boy was. He was in agony through cramp of the stomach. I put my hands on his stomach in the name of Jesus. The boy jumped and stared at me with astonishment. He found himself instantly free. The gift of faith dared in the face of everything. It is, as we are in the Spirit, that the Spirit of God will operate this gift anywhere and at any time.
When the Spirit of God is operating this gift within the man, he causes him to know what God is going to do. When the man with the withered hand was in the synagogue, Jesus got all the people to look to see what would happen. The gift of faith always knows the results. He said to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. His word had creative force. He was not living on the line of speculation. He spoke, and something happened. He spake at the beginning and the world came into being. He speaks today and these things have to come to pass. He is the Son of God and came to bring us into sonship. He was the first fruit of the resurrection and he calls us to be first fruits, to be the same kind of fruit, like to himself. There is an important point here. You cannot have the gifts by mere human desire. The Spirit of God distributes them severally as he will. God cannot trust some with the gift, but some who have a lowly, broken, contrite heart he can trust. One day I was in the meeting, where there were a lot of doctors, and eminent men, and many ministers. It was at a convention, and the power of God fell on the meeting. One humble little girl that waited at table opened her being to the Lord, and was immediately filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in tongues. All these big men stretched their necks and looked up to see what was happening, and were saying, Who is it? Then they learned it was the servant. Nobody received but the servant. These things are hidden and kept back from the wise and prudent, but the little children, the lowly ones, are the ones that receive. We cannot have faith if we have honor one of another. A man who is going on with God won't accept honor from his fellow beings. God honors the man of a broken, contrite spirit. How shall I get there? So many people want to do great things, and to be seen doing them, but the one that God will use is the one, that is willing to be hidden. My Lord Jesus never said he could do things, but he did them. When that funeral procession was coming up from Nain, with the widow's son carried upon the bier, he made them lay it down. He spoke the word, Arise, and gave the son back to the widow. He had compassion for her. And you, and I will never do anything except on the line of compassion. We shall never be able to remove the cancer, until we are immersed so deeply into the power of the Holy Ghost, that the compassion of Christ is moving through us. I find that, in all my Lord did, he said that he did not do it, but that another in him did the work. What a holy submission! He was just an instrument for the glory of God. Have we reached a place where we are to be trusted with the gift? I see in 1 Corinthians 13, that if I have faith to remove mountains, and have not charity, all is a failure. When my love is so deepened in God, that I only move for the glory of God, that I only seek the glory of God, then the gifts can be made manifest. God wants to be manifested, and to manifest His glory to humble spirits. A faint heart can never have a gift. There are two things essential, first, love, and second, determination, a boldness of faith that will cause God to fulfill his word. When I was baptized I had a wonderful time, and had utterance in the spirit, but for some time afterwards I did not again speak in tongues. But one day as I was helping another, the Lord again gave me utterances in the spirit. I was one day going down the road, and speaking in tongues a long while, there were some gardeners doing their work, and they stuck their heads out to see what was going on. I said, Lord, you have something new for me. You said, that when a man speaks in tongues, he should ask for the interpretation. I ask for the interpretation, and I'll stay right here till I get it. And from that hour the Lord gave me interpretation. At one time I was in Lincolnshire in England, 
and came in touch with the old pastor of an Episcopalian church. He became much interested and asked me into his library. I never heard anything sweeter than the prayer the old man uttered as he got down to pray. He began to pray, Lord, make me holy. Lord, sanctify me I called out, wake up. Wake up now. Get up and sit in your chair. He sat up and looked at me I said to him, I thought you were holy. He answered, yes. Then what makes you ask God to do what he has done for you? He began to laugh and then to speak in tongues. Let us move into the realm of faith and live in the realm of faith and let God have his way.